Tonight's uh, subject matter is building wisely, and I'm going to be talking about Scripture above all, part two. So if you weren't here last week, there's a handout that's available from last week out in the foyer. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse uh, 10 through 15, it says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed or be careful how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If any man's or anyone's work which is built on If it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as so as through fire. And then in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, I want to read the 24th through the 29th verse, the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, the largest largest recording message that Jesus shared in his earthly ministry. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, what we build our foundation upon determines, you know, how strong, how stable, how mature we become as Christians One of the inevitables in life are storms. They will occur. They do happen. And there's various different types of storms. There's relational storms. There's uh, sickness or illness that people encounter. And each and every one of us have had days that we didn't feel well. And there's also, you know, uh, different storms in regards to just... uh, different seasons that we're in. Sometimes those storms occur at work, in the work environment. Sometimes they take place within our nation, our communities. Sometimes storms arise just in our own battles as far as to fight and to have a good, sound, and a healthy mind. But I do know one of these things is that storms aren't meant to stay. They pass through. And the promise of Jesus is if we build wisely, and if we're building wisely, that at the end of the storm, we're going to still be standing. And that's the goal. That's the goal is to be a wise master builder so that in the end, when the storm has passed and it's rolled through, that we're not a casualty. 
that we haven't lost our way, that we've we had a good foundation. And yes, there may be some things that we have to rebuild, but we can rebuild because we have a foundation to build them on. The people that don't have a foundation, they lose everything. And we compare and we think about this to our spiritual life. It really has a little bit of weightiness, some sobriety to it. And so storms will come, but we can weather those storms. I think that uh, Jesus, in preparing us for this life of faith, communicated really well about everything that was going to happen in this world, including trials and tribulation, times of testing. And while our focus is on him and while our eyes are upon him, and rightly so, because that's where we're to fix our affection, that's where we're to look, the reason I believe that our gaze needs to be upon the Lord is he's the only one that can help us to pass these tests, get through these trials, and weather these tribulations. If our eyes are not on Jesus, then we can be easily distracted, we can be easily pulled off course. But if our eyes are on him, and we keep our eyes on him, and don't get caught up with the winds and the waves, Waves of life don't get caught up with, you know, everything that's going on around us. We're going to have a peace that passes understanding. We're going to the other side. Now, I've written in your notes tonight that it's an architectural fact that the stability and longevity of a structure is determined by the quality of its foundation. And it's the spiritual truth that sound Bible doctrine establishes a solid foundation which produces stability and longevity for us in the Lord. I've given you a portion of scripture out of Isaiah where Isaiah prophesied about a chief cornerstone and that those who believe in him would not be ashamed. And then Peter, quoting Isaiah, reminds us that this chief cornerstone that we have is Christ. Paul, in his writing to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, says that we are building, but there is only one foundation we can build upon, and that's upon the foundation of Christ Jesus. So Christ is the cornerstone. He is the first building block in our life. Those that have Christ can begin to build a sure and a solid foundation for their life spiritually. But it starts with Christ, and then it stays Christ-centered from that point forward. We can't allow ourselves to be caught up in some of the trivial and non-essential teachings that are out there that do not produce faith, that do not produce fruit in our life, that sound good, but they're faddish, they come and go. Scripture likens them to winds of doctrine, As quickly as they come, they go. I'll give you a a quick illustration on a wind of doctrine, something that sounds real spiritual, something that's catchy to the ear, but it really doesn't have any foundation or any truth whatsoever in Scripture. Years ago, there was a move of the Lord in our nation, and it took place from the latter 70s into the early 80s. And from that, 
particular sovereign move of the Lord, there was really untold numbers of people that were born again and filled with the Spirit and came out of denominational churches. And it's a season in which this church was formed. This church began in 1981. And and from the winds of God blowing across our nation, <clears throat> there were just tremendous things going on as far as spiritual activity in people's life. There's an awareness of re- of repentance and an awareness of faith towards God. There was this desire to be baptized, not only in water, but to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit more personally and intimately. There was this hunger and this thirst for spiritual gifts, and God was just moving mightily by His Spirit. But it wasn't just God. It was people cooperating with God. It was people desiring God. It was people wanting God. And so he came, and he came exactly the way that Scripture says he comes. He comes unto us as the rain, as the former and the latter rain, and there were just times of refreshing. But here, listen to me. If we're not careful, people can get bored or so familiar with Jesus that they no longer hunger and thirst for him, so they start looking for other things to fit their spiritual palate. And thus I've watched it. I've watched it come and go several times in my short lifetime. Here's the example. In the latter 1990s and into the early 21st century, there was a cry that this is now a time for the Joshua generation. And what they said which was so unfortunate and so disrespectful and so dishonoring to the senior leaders and to the Moses generation, as they called them, in the earth, was they started proclaiming Moses is dead and now the Joshua generation has to rise up. Now, that sounds profound. It even has sort of a prophetic ring to it, but it's pathetic teaching. Joshua would never have said that about Moses. The whole nation grieved when Moses died. They were heartbroken. They were sad. Well, they knew he wasn't God. He helped them to know God. He helped them to walk with God. He prayed for them when they were walking away from God. He interceded for them. And while they understood that he was not their creator He helped them to know their creator. So Joshua had tremendous respect for Moses. But this Joshua generation had very little time for the Moses men and women in the body of Christ. That's pathetic. It's rebellion. It's insubordination. It's disrespect. It's many other things, but it's surely not the Holy Spirit giving someone revelation Is foolishness gone to seed, as one man said. But those that were not founded in the word of God ate that and swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Bought into it, said, that's right. These people have taken us as far as they can take us. They can't take us into the promised land. We need Joshua's to take us into the promised land. What a shame. What a pity. Little did they realize that Moses was simply 
a messenger that was pointing people farther down the road than Joshua. Who was Moses pointing us to? Can we all say it? Jesus. You bet he was pointing us towards a day when Jesus would come. Who takes us into the promised land? Jesus. Who goes before us into the promised land? Jesus. Who calls us by name? It's Jesus. See, when things get man-centered and they're built around a personality and they're, it's, it's, it's sand. And it was tested, it was tried, it didn't come to pass. And all of these who really, you know, sort of bought into it and were following these voices, unfortunately ended up being washed away in the storm also. Because Jesus said, when the storm comes to someone who does not have a foundation, the destruction is big. Because it not only affects that individual, the ripple effects starts touching other people's lives. And so that's just one example. One example. So we have to build wisely. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be, you know, nervous. Walk on eggshells. Thank God we have a sure word. We have a good foundation we can build upon. We have Christ in our life. And if there's an appeal that I'd like to make to us tonight before we get into some of our discussion is keep Jesus in the center of it all. We sing that song. I love that new chorus, that new song that we sing, Jesus in the center of it all. Before all and in all and through all, he is preeminent. He's our Lord. And when our eyes are on Jesus and we're beholding his beauty, I never get bored. There's different ways that they classify diamonds. Anybody ever? Recently bought a diamond. Johnny P bought one not long ago. No. But if you look at a diamond, they'll tell you about the cut and the clarity, quality of that particular gem, all the different channels and chambers that reflect light, the beauty of that. And so the more pure the diamond as far as the more brilliant it is. And so it is with our Savior. The more you behold him, the more I behold him, the more we behold him, the more we become like him. So beholding him, keeping our eyes on him, fixing our gaze on him is such a key to us not getting caught up in some of these peripheral issues that are being taught today. We'll be a little bit more specific about that as we approach Sunday and I start talking about Jesus at the center of our culture, the crosshairs, the intersections of our culture and what's being perpetuated by our culture is, you know, new and progressive type of thinking. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just repackaged. It's been around before. That's why if we're students of history we won't fall for these little tricks of the enemy, these little nuances, these, 
these little deceptive ways that get people off. I'll dive into that a little bit more specifically on Sunday, but we're going to really talk about where the rubber meets the road in today's world. And I'm looking forward to looking into God's word with you and to studying and to see you know, what is the word of God said about the days that we live in and how can we live in a way that is glorifying to the Lord and not get caught up in the fray and all of the chatter. So here's the truth that I think we need to consider. Are you guys ready? Let's look at this portion of scripture together. And then next week, I'm going to be diving into Hebrews chapter 5 and then chapter 6 for the next several weeks, talking about the fundamental or the foundational truths of the faith, doctrines of the church. I've written in your notes also when I read what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I cannot help but wonder, are we living in the days in which these truths are coming to pass. Let's read it and let's talk about it. First Timothy, second Timothy chapter four, verses one through five. Now I charge you, therefore, charge is akin to I command you, I require you. It's not a suggestion. I require you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing And his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come. Are we in this time? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who is they? Those that are being caught and pulled away from the faith. They will not endure sound doctrine or good Bible teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teacher and they will, here's a key phrase, will turn their ears away. They will turn their ears away. Their ears won't have an appetite for good teaching anymore. They'll seek out different types of teachers. These would not be those that are teaching the word of God, but these would be teaching false doctrine. And the danger with false doctrine is it's laced with enough truth that it pulls you in initially. But if you follow false teaching all the way to the end, it doesn't produce fruit and it is not Christ-centered. It is man-centered. It's humanistic. And from a faith perspective, it ends up producing universalism. Universalism. What is universalism? Universalism, people that believe in universalism, and there's many people that do and they don't know it, believe this. There's no judgment. Since Christ was judged, none of us will be judged. There's no need for us to repent. Since Christ suffered and died for our sins, then all will be saved. All will be reconciled. They even preach Satan and the fallen angels will be reconciled to God. 
But these things aren't even close to biblically true. And if you know the truth, you maintain the freedom that that truth provides for you. Freedom to live your life without fear. Freedom over the pull and the desires of the, fret, of the flesh. And so these individuals, they, they'll turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The word fables there is where we get our term mythology. Myths, fables, foolishness. And then it says this, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So if we're living in the times where these things are occurring, if so, what should we be doing to prevent ourselves from turning away from the truth and embracing these fables, these different myths, these different progressive Ways of thinking. Progressive thinking is not always progressive. And it's not always new. And people that say, I have a new revelation. Well, I'm not interested in some time in what's new. I'm interested in building on what's true. Because the truth never changes. I'm not going to swallow things hook, line, and sinker just because someone who's popular is saying it. I'm going to measure it against the word. The word is the plumb line. It's the standard. And if it doesn't measure up to the word, then I'm not, I'm not following it. Paul, in his writing, said, you follow me as or only to the degree that I follow Christ. He didn't expect people just to follow him. Only to the degree that he was doing what Christ had commanded and commissioned all of us to do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.